Late in his life, Thomas Jefferson crafted his own version of the Gospels, clipping out all the parts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that he agreed with or could believe were true, and basically repasting them into a new book, which he named The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth. Jefferson thought that the teachings of Jesus on compassion and ethics were profound, calling them the most sublime and benevolent code of morals which has ever been offered to man. But Jefferson was decidedly more circumspect about proclaiming the divinity of Jesus. He didn't buy all all the miracles that they had really happened, including the resurrection. So he simply snipped out the parts that he could assent to and remade a Bible. To my mind, Jefferson was doing two opposite things at the same time. Actively engaging the scripture and his faith, while also shutting out the possibility for revelation that can hit you when you let reason take a back seat instead of the steering wheel. That said, I do sometimes wish we could take Jefferson's pair of scissors and snip out parts of the Bible that make us squirm with discomfort. For example, in today's gospel passage, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Just in case you missed it, Jesus is saying that the cost of discipleship is your life. But taking Jefferson's magic scissors, and with a little snip, 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 we come up with this instead. If any want to become my followers, let them. (laughs) Follow me. For those who want to save their life, will save it. Isn't that nicer? Very little effort on our part, yet we still get the perks of salvation. There's another part of this gospel passage that makes me uncomfortable. I always feel caught and convicted whenever I hear Jesus say, those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Because I know I've been embarrassed about Jesus at certain times in my life, reluctant to embrace my faith, to profess it in public outside the church without this collar. Maybe some of you are like this too. But with those Jeffersonian clippers, we can shorten that passage. We could trim out the icky parts like this. Those who are ashamed of me, snip, snip, snip will also be, snip, 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 with the holy angels. (laughs) I feel better already. And why? Because by editing these two passages, I don't have to, one, give up my own will, i.e. deny myself, or two, risk discomfort by proclaiming my faith more openly. Peter could have used these clippers too to censor Jesus and what he says about the suffering and death he must undergo before rising again. 
See, Peter has just had this big moment in the verses right before today's gospel passage. When Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter immediately pipes up and says, you are the Messiah. And he gets major points for it. Jesus points at him and declares, upon this rock I will build my church. So Peter is momentarily cock of the walk. Strutting among the others like he's discipulo numero uno. <laughs> but then Jesus kills the vibe with his talk about suffering, rejection, and death. And Peter, still swaggering, pulls Jesus aside and whispers, Dude, you're the Messiah, remember? You're supposed to help us kick some Roman butt. So could you please ix me on the suffering and death talk? Well, Jesus is then forced to administer a verbal smackdown. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. You are fixating on human things instead of divine things. Like the devil in the desert, Peter is tempting Jesus with the ways of the world. He is saying, show your power. Inflict violence on our enemies. Strive for satisfaction and avoid suffering. Also, like Satan in the desert, Peter invokes the divine power of Jesus and rejects the human example he's trying to set for his followers of love, compassion, sacrifice, and service. But Jesus won't have it. Get behind me, where a follower and disciple belongs. Don't try to get in front of me and lead me where you would rather have me go. Get behind me. Jesus calls us out of our complacency into a life of discipleship. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You cannot cut and paste God into a new document that looks and acts like the God you want to have, the one that fits your needs. We are made in God's image, not the other way around. Let's not make Jefferson's mistake. The world does not revolve around us and what we can and cannot rationally subscribe to. God's going to happen with or without your endorsement. So is life. And life, much less God, simply won't conform to our personal belief system. So we can't just snip out the disagreeable bits of life. We can't just cut out the parts of God's call for us that make us uncomfortable. Trust me. I have tried. You know, discipleship is really a lot like a diet. In fact, most things in life are like a diet. Discipleship and diets both take lots of discipline. Disciple in. And when you see someone who's done it successfully, you ask, how'd you do it? Secretly hoping there's a magic pill that overrides any cost of discipleship, of having to work hard. But the answer is always the same. Cut the carbs and sugars. Deny yourself. Eat proteins and vegetables. Take up your cross. And exercise. Follow me to the gym. I've searched for loopholes, but I am afraid that when it comes to discipleship, there is no easy way. There is no spiritual equivalent to liposuction.
But here's the good news. If you can keep at it, discipleship gets easier and you will start to feel great. You'll have more energy to do God's work and you will sleep more soundly than you ever have before. You'll develop healthier habits. You'll get stronger. Compassion will become second nature. The weight of your cross will lighten. And others will find inspiration in your example. But first it's going to hurt a little. Because discipleship starts by letting yourself feel a little uncomfortable for a larger cause. There was a point in yesterday's installation service when I knelt down and said a prayer out loud to God. Now, I I might have shed a few tears, manly tears, of course. The prayer is a priest's prayer, but I happen to believe in what's called the priesthood of all believers. So in many ways, the prayer is for you to say as well. In one part... And I invite you to think these next words in your heart as I say them, as if you're saying them too. In one part, we pray, to you and to your service, I devote myself, body, soul, and spirit. In another place, may all the desires of my heart and will center in what you would have me do. In other words... I surrender myself to you, O God. Help me take up my cross and follow you. Surrender, but also hope. Both are there in Jesus' invitation to follow. And remember, it is an invitation, not a judgment, not a take up your cross and follow me. You're not suffering enough, so try harder. No. Jesus says, take up your cross. Take up the burden that weighs you down, all your messiness and imperfections, how you sometimes feel like you've fallen short, how your loneliness makes you think there's something wrong with you. Take it up. Bring it along. I love all of it because I love all of you. Take it up and follow me anyway. In doing so, I promise that your personal burdens will lighten and you'll be strengthened to then take on the burdens and the suffering of the world. Or that part of the world that calls to you to care for it. My yoke is easy and my burden is light, so follow me. Just know that transformation will follow. In the words of Martin Smith from our Lenten book, A Season for the Spirit, we have been given notice that the false selves we maintain at the cost of excluding so much that is within us are purely provisional arrangements. They must give way to a new way of being. So put away the scissors and stop running. Listen for God's call in your life and follow it. This may be the hardest, yet most loved thing you will ever do. And what you wanted to discard when you tried to snip away the difficulty and the suffering that may very well be what saves you. Amen. 